Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Today, we're continuing a series we started last week called Live Like Jesus. And some of you came out of the message last week, out of the service last week, really enthusiastic about this particular series because you want to live more like Jesus. And probably the best comment that I heard from anybody last week was somebody who came up to me and said, I'm so excited about this series because at work, I'm not allowed to talk about Jesus. But if I can live more like Jesus, people will come and ask me, what's going on? And I'm allowed to talk back. I'm just not allowed to initiate So I tell you what, you want to talk about something that'll make a preacher smile, it's when the people who are listening to the messages are saying, I want to be more like Jesus so I can have more of an influence for Jesus, because I'll tell you what, the old saying that actions speak louder than words, it's really true, and there's never been a time in American history when Christians acting like Jesus is going to have more influence. The best testimony in the 21st century that I know of, probably anywhere, but especially in this nation, is people who are godly people, who have integrity, who love Jesus and who love people and and show his compassion to others. Now, eventually, you will have to talk about Jesus because if you don't, people will think you're just into some latest self-improvement program. The words will have to come. But here's what Jesus said about actions. He said this in, uh, I guess I should turn to the front and to the back. Uh, In Luke chapter 6, he said, A tree is identified by its fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Figs never grow on thorn bushes, nor grapes on bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. So as we move through this series, the more that we take it seriously, the more that we live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit, the more like Jesus we become, that will be good for us, but it will be really good for those in our spheres of influence. Wherever we go, people are going to, you know, Paul called it, we will be sharing the fragrance of Jesus Christ, the aroma of Jesus Christ. And he said to those who are being saved, it's the aroma of life. To those who are perishing, it's the aroma of death. But Uh, Whatever the aroma is, living like Jesus is so crucial, and that's why this series is so important. I'm glad you're here. I hope you'll be here for the next eight weeks after this week, but today's subject is baptized in water and the Spirit, so let's jump right in. Get it? Baptized? Jump right in? Okay, never mind. Uh, Okay, anyway, the reason that we're starting with baptism is because at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he was baptized by John the Baptizer in the Jordan River. All four Gospels record that. And any time all four Gospels record anything, it's something worthy of note. When Jesus was baptized, something amazing happened. He came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came down. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But that's why it's not just baptized in water we're talking about, but baptized in water in the Spirit. And I have to acknowledge something. There are a lot of controversies about baptism, both in water and in the Spirit, in the Christian world in America. Some people think that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. Some people think you should be baptized as soon as you can after you're born. You have to be baptized as a baby. Some people think you should only be baptized after you profess your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Some people think you should be sprinkled. Some people think you should be poured. Some people think you should be dunked. There are all these different ideas about baptism. But here's what matters most 
about baptism. It's our take-home point, and for those of you who are new, we have one point that we seek to make each week. Here it is. Jesus' ministry started with baptism in water and the Holy Spirit. He calls us to start there too. Jesus started with baptism in water and in the Holy Spirit, so that's why we need to start there too. As we're going to see through several passages, Jesus' baptism was a very amazing, incredible event, and he said that we should all be baptized and that we should not only be baptized in water, but the Holy Spirit. So what does baptize mean? The Greek word baptizo means to dip or immerse. If they had coffee and donuts in Jesus' day, and I don't know if they did have coffee and donuts in Jesus' day, but if they did, and you took your donut and you dunked it in your coffee, you would say, I baptized my donut, okay? So I baptized my donut, or if you had soup, and you, this would be more likely, you had some soup or broth and you had some bread and you dipped your bread, you would say, I baptized my bread. That would be common everyday Greek usage. So the word baptism, as we're using it, means this. The act of immersing a person in water as a sign of that person's obedience to Jesus Christ's command to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. More on that command a little bit later. We're also uh, gonna talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's a little harder to define, and we're gonna have a series in July and August, five weeks on the Holy Spirit. So I'm not gonna say a lot about baptism in the Holy Spirit today, but I will refer to it because Jesus did in Acts chapter one, verses four to five. We're gonna look at that later. But right now, Let's look at how Matthew recorded Jesus' baptism. If you, uh, you may know that Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was a tax collector before Jesus called him to follow him. And tax collectors were hated by the Jews because they worked for the Romans. And they cheated people out of their money. Tax collectors were usually very rich. So for Matthew to leave his tax collecting job, he had to give up all kinds of worldly wealth to follow Jesus. When Matthew recorded Jesus' baptism, we need to know he wasn't doing it from memory. He wasn't there. None of Jesus' disciples were there when he was baptized. He called his disciples after he was baptized. So how do they know about it? How did Matthew know what happened? I think this is what happened. The 12 guys were all gathered together one day, and either Jesus brought up his baptism and told them about it, or they were getting baptized in obedience to Jesus, and they said, hey, have you ever been baptized, Jesus? However it happened, this is what Matthew recorded of Jesus' baptism. We find it in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. The reason John is arguing here is John's baptism was for repentance, for the forgiveness of sins. And John realized Jesus didn't have any sins, so why would he need to be baptized? Well, what Jesus was saying is we're establishing a precedent for everybody, so let's go ahead and do it. So John said, all right. So after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this occurrence in the life of Jesus that was so important that he told us we need to do it too. So as we talk about baptism today, my prayer is that you will show us by your Holy Spirit what we need to do as a result of being here today to love, your, love you more fully and to be more obedient to you. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
You know, baptisms are a highlight here at New Life. If, if you've ever been here when we do a baptism, we have a, a pool right over there pretty much where Chuck and Lisa are sitting, and uh, it has water in it, and we have people get in, and we do immerse them. But before we immerse them, which is the baptism, we ask them some questions. We say, who's your Savior and Lord? And they say, Jesus Christ. And we say, relying on the Holy Spirit, do you seek to live a holy life? And they say, yes. And then we say, why are you being baptized today? And the one that sticks in my mind is the one most recently that somebody said, because I want to live a sinless life. Basically, because I want to be obedient to Jesus. I want to follow what he said and did. Now, that, that's always, it's very um, powerful when those things happen. But imagine if we were baptizing somebody one day, and when they came out of the water, the, the heavens came open. Like the roof here opened up, the heavens came open, and the Spirit of God visibly came down and rested on the person that got baptized, and then the the Father, the God the Father said, this is my loved Son in whom I am well pleased. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, it had to be amazing. John the baptizer tells us in the Gospel of John, that's how he knew that Jesus was really the Messiah, the Savior who had come to deliver us from sin and bring us new life. But this underlines two specific things about baptism. Number one, Jesus was baptized in water. He went down into the Jordan and then he was baptized, and he came up out of the Jordan. So he was baptized in water. Then it says, the Spirit of God, or the Holy Spirit, came into him in a special way. Now, if that had happened to Jesus, and that's all we ever heard about baptism. Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came into his life. We never heard about baptism again, either in water or the Spirit. Then I wouldn't be preaching a message about baptism in water and the Holy Spirit. But after Jesus lived his perfect life, after he taught with an authority like no one ever before or after, after he healed the sick, cast out demons, died on the cross, shedding his innocent blood to pay the penalty for human sin, and rose from the dead, Jesus gave this command to the 11 remaining disciples before he went back to heaven. This is what he said. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Why is that so important? Well, first off, think about this. He'd been dead, and he came back to life. How much authority would that give you? I think it gives you quite a bit of authority right there. But he wanted the disciples to understand he didn't just have quite a bit of authority. He had all authority. From God the Father who created everything, he had this authority that was important for the disciples to know because when Jesus was crucified, those guys ran away like scared rabbits. Have you ever seen a scared rabbit? They run around and they try to find the nearest place to hide, right? And that's what they did. They went and they found a, a house and they went inside and they locked the doors because they were afraid that what the Romans and Jews had done to Jesus, they would do to them. But now Jesus had been alive. He had risen from the dead. He'd been with them. And now he's telling them what they need to do because he's going back to heaven for a period of time. So what are they supposed to do while he's gone? And he says, I've been given all authority. And then he says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Anytime you read the word therefore in the Bible, you should stop and see what it's there for. Okay, here's what this one is there for. Because Jesus just said, I have all authority in heaven and earth. 
I have all authority in heaven and earth, he said to the guys. Therefore, I'm transmitting it to you. Right now, I'm transmitting that authority to you. You know why? Because you are going to make disciples. You are going to make disciples. And then you say, well, Chris, that's not what it says. It says go. No, it really doesn't. You see, in the Greek text, it says make disciples. And going's a participle, and baptizing's a participle, and teaching's a participle. There's only one verb. The verb is make disciples. Because Jesus assumed if they're going to make disciples of all the world, they're going to have to go someplace. You see, everybody isn't going to come to us. That's the thing we have to realize. That's why some of us go to Haiti and some of us go to Cuba and some of us go to Pittsburgh and some of us go to Ivywood. I mean, we go all these different places, right? Wherever we are, we go. Jesus gave us an order. He said, start in Jerusalem. That's where they were. Then all of Judea, which is the country they were in, all Samaria, the next country, and to the ends of the earth. So there's an order to our going, but some of us will stay here and some of us will go to the next place and the next place and some of us get to go to the ends of the earth. As long as it's not Tibet, I'm going. And if it is to bed, I guess I'll have to go if God tells me. But you see, we are supposed to go. It's a, it's, it's a given. Going is necessary to make disciples because everybody can't come here. And then the next thing he says about making disciples, and this is what we're talking about today, baptizing them. How do we baptize them? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting. What do we have to do to make disciples? First of all, we have to find people. Second of all, we have to tell them about Jesus. Third of all, we have to teach them the things of Jesus, including baptism. All right, so what does that tell you about the person who's a disciple? They can think. They can comprehend something about Jesus. So that's why we don't baptize babies here at New Life, and that's why we don't baptize little children. At second service today, we're going to have a dedication of a six-year-old little girl named Elizabeth because she's not old enough yet to understand exactly what it means to have Jesus be her Savior and Lord. But one day she will, and then we'll baptize her after she makes that profession of faith. So that's why, and I think this one's going to be up on the screen, we baptize those who have professed faith in Jesus and dedicate infants and children who are not yet able to be disciples. We want to make sure that we do what Jesus said. And we recognize there are many traditions in the Christian world where babies are baptized. But baptism does not save anyone, only Jesus does. The blood of Jesus shed on the cross brings salvation, nothing else. And so baptism doesn't save us, that, so it doesn't need to be applied as soon as possible. In Jesus' day, babies and children were dedicated, they weren't baptized, and in Jesus' day, believers were baptized. So that's why we do that, and we understand other traditions, they have a covenantal theology, it's called, okay, but we want to do what the Bible clearly teaches. The next thing is, let's say somebody trusts Jesus as their Savior and Lord, they're born again, they get baptized in water just like they were told, but one of the things you will find out, maybe you already found this out, it is hard to follow Jesus. It's hard to do what he says. In fact, what I've found out is it's impossible to do what Jesus says without the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me say that again. It's impossible to do what Jesus said. You know, Jesus said, teach him to do all the stuff that I commanded you. You can't do all the stuff he commanded you. And he, I can't do all the stuff he commanded me if the Holy Spirit's power isn't in our lives. So shortly before Jesus went back to heaven, he told them this great commission, we call it, to go out into all the world and make disciples. And then he said one more thing. Here's what he said. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In just a few days. 
you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That actually happened a f- 10 days later on a day we call Pentecost, and you can read about it in Acts chapter 2. And when that happened, what happened was all the believers, there were 120 of them, there were men and women there. The mother of Jesus was there. Mary Magdalene was there. All the apostles that were left were there. A new one that they had voted in was there. They were all there, and the Holy Spirit came visibly and came into them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. They, they were speaking with other tongues so that other people from other countries who were there could hear the gospel in their own language. And then... They were so bold, they ran out into them. They ran out into the town of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. There were probably 50,000 people there, some scholars estimate, for Pentecost. And they told everybody that would listen about Jesus. And that's what happens when we get baptized. Think about it. These were those same guys who ran like scared rabbits, remember? The same guys who denied they knew Jesus, the same guys that weren't there when he was crucified, the same guys who were cowards. And suddenly... They're standing in front of a crowd of 50,000 who could have killed them all without a bit of trouble, telling them, Jesus, this Jesus you crucified, God raised him from the dead. He's Lord, and if you want to go to heaven someday, you better trust him. And that day, 3,000 people became believers out of that crowd. It's incredible. These people were transformed, radically transformed because of Jesus Christ. In fact, I have in my, my little outline here, I said once they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, they became radically different people. They lived with a passion and compassion for Jesus like they never had before. And they, they went everywhere they, they could to tell people about Jesus. And every one of them but John was martyred, freely gave their life rather than deny Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. The same can be true in our lives. That's the point of this part of the message. All of us need to be baptized in water to be obedient to Jesus. All of us need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in order to live like Jesus. We can't live like Jesus. Oh, sure, we can imitate him a little bit. We can do some good deeds and that kind of thing. But we can't live in the power that God gives us through the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit. So, do you want to be a radically different person than you are or than you were before Jesus Christ became Savior and Lord of your life? Now, I understand some of you may think, like many people do in the world today, that the Holy Spirit is no longer working the way he worked in the first century, that the Holy Spirit stopped working at the end of the apostolic age. They're called cessationists because the Holy Spirit ceased his work. And the thing that I have trouble about is I can't find any place in this book that it says that. Now, I know in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 to 10, it says this, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Okay. Now, there's a principle of biblical interpretation that says this. When we read the Bible, we should read out of it what's there, not read into it what we want it to say or wish that it would say. So, What it clearly says is love never fails. Everybody agrees with that. Every Christian believes that love never fails. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that is the basic premise of of Christianity. Christianity stands or falls on Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross because of God's great love for us. Everybody believes that. But then what happens next is some people say that where there are 
prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. That that happened when this book was completed because this is the perfect perfection of God. Now, this book, it, and actually Pastor Brad pointed this out to me last night. Chris, are you saying the Bible's not perfect? No, it is. It's perfect. It's true. Everything in here is true. It is absolutely true. But this book didn't die for me on the cross or for you. This book didn't rise from the dead. Jesus did. The only perfection there has ever been on this planet is Jesus Christ. And so it says when perfection comes, that's what clearly what it says to me is this, that Jesus was here, perfection was here, he left, he's coming back. Do you remember that? He said, I'm coming back. And when he comes back, then we won't need prophecy anymore. We won't need the power of the Holy Spirit anymore. We won't need knowledge anymore because it'll be there. He will be there in bodily form. And so what you can be assured of, what I can be assured of, is when that day comes, it's gonna be an amazing thing. But that day's not here yet. So if that day's not here yet, what are we gonna do? Well, we can either live without Jesus. We can live with Jesus and try our best to do what Jesus wants us to do. Or we can live with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and become more and more like him throughout our lives. Jesus' command was the third. Jesus' command was that we would be born again, that's what it says in John chapter 3, become a new person and be filled with the Spirit so that we can live out those commands and be baptized in the Spirit, he said later on, in, as we just read in Acts chapter 1. So, until Jesus comes back, we have the opportunity to live in power. Not weakness, not fear, not timidity. We have the, we have the ability to live with our eyes and our minds focused on the life eternal even while we live here in this life. So if you're sitting here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you're, you're not even sure there is a God, then I would encourage you to consider what Jesus said because he rose from the dead. That's a pretty convincing proof that he is who he said he was. But Jesus rose from the dead and he told us that we need to trust him because he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And then, after we trust him, in obedience to him, we should be baptized in water, and then we should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it's pretty easy to be baptized in water. All you have to do is let us know on the back of the connection card that I mentioned earlier, it says right here, I would like to be baptized. So you check mark that, you put your name on there and your phone number, and we'll follow up with you and you can be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The second thing he said was we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's actually even easier because all you have to do is say, fill me up, baptize me in your spirit. Now, all over the world, that's happening. The reason that I am not a cessationist, the reason I don't believe the Holy Spirit's not working anymore is I've been so many places where I see him working, right here for one. But I see him working everywhere I've been. And I have seen people with my own eyes who have been healed of diseases. I've, I've heard people with my own mouth, and my mouth is one of them, that pray in tongues. I know that these things happen, so I can't be a cessationist. So I very rarely say, you know, well, these people believe this, and these people believe that, and we could both be right. We can't both be right about this. The Holy Spirit hasn't ceased. He's still going. So 
being baptized in the Holy Spirit. For some, it's an amazing, incredible, emotional experience. For others, it's not. For me, it wasn't. It was just like a matter-of-fact thing. It happened, and now he's there, and now I have power that I didn't have before. And it's not like, you know, uh, underdog. You know, you have the secret ring I feel with the underdog super energy pill where you put it in and swallow it. It's not like that at all. He's always there, and sometimes he gives you more power, and sometimes you feel like he's not there, but he is because it's not about feelings. Okay, so here's today's commitment. Very simple one, probably the simplest one ever here at New Life. I will take steps to be baptized in water in the Holy Spirit if I haven't done so. So if you've never been baptized, just sign up to be baptized. If you are still confused about the Holy Spirit thing, um, that's okay. I'm still confused a little bit myself. Um, but we're going to talk five weeks about the Holy Spirit in July and August. That should be helpful. Um, if you want to talk one-on-one, I'd love to do that. Because I don't think anybody should live as a powerless Christian. It's just not a good way to live. So at this time, let's pray and ask God to fill us anew with his Spirit. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for who you are. I thank you for Jesus, for his example. And today I pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit in a way you've never done before here at New Life. I pray for people who are wondering, what is the Holy Spirit that you would show them by coming in and empowering them? And I pray for myself, God, that you'll give me a full measure of your Spirit, that I can stand boldly and proclaim that you, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, reign eternally and change our lives moment by moment, until that day when we see you face to face. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.